Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here from the Oilers Live podcast, back with another live stream. Tonight, I've got as my guest, Jared Brown. He is the uh, head scout from Draft Pro Hockey. You can find them uh, on Twitter at uh, Draft Pro Hockey, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Jared at uh, Jared Brown with the double N97 on Twitter, as you can see on the uh, video there. Thanks for joining me tonight, Jared. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thank you for having me, Michael. Excellent. Yeah, good. Uh, good to see you, and uh, good to meet you, and have you on. And I had a chance to look over your um, the latest twenty twenty one draft guide put out by Draft Prospects Hockey or Draft Pro Hockey. Uh, great job. Yeah, uh, feel good to get that done. Very. I mean, uh, there was a, a lot of work that went into the the guide. Um, you know, starting from our director of uh, scouting, uh, Dan Stewart, you know, leading the charge. A uh, lot of long hours, you know, staying up late to get this done. And, you know, we wanted to, to get it out at uh, yeah, an appropriate time so all the uh, draft followers could uh, really read and get in depth before uh, the July date of the draft. So, yeah, just like every year when it comes and goes, you know, we're excited to to publish our, our draft guide every year, just like last year. Super excited about it. And this year, I was even more excited. I thought we made a lot of new, cool changes to it, and I was uh, really happy about it. So definitely uh, proud of this one and, uh, you know, one that I think uh, is just uh, near the top. Yeah, if you, uh, if for those of you, if you haven't uh, checked it out, check it out. You can go to draftprospectshockey.com. Uh, I think it's, uh, what is it, $10 to uh, buy the guide? Yeah, like the the digital download is around I think uh, ten ninety nine. Um, so, and then we also have the uh, draft yearbook, which is an in depth look at the draft guide. Uh, you get everything that the, that the draft guide has, but instead you're going to get the um, uh, actual game reports from our scouts, starting from all the way from 2019 uh, when we followed these prospects in their um, you know early years, all the way to um, I guess it would be the the under 18 uh, tournament that wrapped up in uh, April or so. That was the, uh, so the draft yearbook is very long. It's around like 500 pages because it's got just a bunch of scouting reports, a bunch of game reports from all of our scouts. So, um, it, and that's uh, an extra, maybe a couple bucks. And, uh, but yeah, you can uh, get it all at our, uh, our website. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's, um, and it's excellent. It was, uh, I, I've only checked the draft guide out so far, but I'll check out the draft yearbook. Uh, very well done. Uh, pretty in depth. I mean, if, if the draft guide is, uh, or draft, yeah, <laughs> I'm confused. It's my job. If the draft yearbook is bigger than the draft guide, uh, there's a, that's a lot of content and a lot of work and thanks for putting that together. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it, it was i mean like the uh I, I don't actually know how dan put it all together for 500 pages or whatever it was for the yearbook um obviously that is for people who really want to see what we write and how uh, a game report is really uh compiled and and put together after you know watching the full game um so uh but yeah it's uh you know and, and then if you're you know you're just a casual fan that is excited for the draft and you know the draft guide definitely for you yeah. So what would you say uh, for yourself and in, in terms of your input in there, like how many of these players would you have had input in? Well, you know, it's actually interesting because this year, even though COVID has hit and obviously I'm based out of Ontario, so I, I haven't OHL season canceled. I wasn't able to get to any games, um, but um, I, I was actually able to cover from all across the globe, really, uh, thankfully. Um, so I could really discuss and have a lot of discussions with our, um, our draft ranking. So I, I'd cover, you know, I try to cover at least, uh, you know, almost half of, uh, you know, the players we have ranked. I mean, we have, we, you know, we look at 300 players, but we look at 400 players and all that. Obviously I can't get to all 400 players. So the main thing I would look at is trying to get the top 100 players for sure 
um, that, that would be the main goal and, and make sure uh, I'm confident that they are deserving of being ranked in our top 100. And so, and then obviously the first rounders I tried to look at uh, as maybe the most, uh, they are the ones that are the, the big names, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those first round guys take a lot of attention for sure. Uh, give me an idea in your, you know, what it is you're looking for as a scout, um, you know, prior to, you know, releasing some of this information. I mean, what things, uh, you know, look, I, I know, um, one of the friends of the show, Sean Patrick Ryan, he does the oil night, you know, he's, he's always looking for NHL translatable skills, right? I mean, what kind of things are you looking for when you're looking at these players? I think the biggest NHL translatable skill that I'm going to look for is pretty much their hockey IQ and their intelligence and, and hand, how they handle pressure. Uh, if there's someone that is going to panic a lot uh, once they get a little bit of pressure and, and they have uh, four checkers coming bearing down on them, right? Uh, I, I would say that I, I wouldn't really, uh, you know, I, I'd want to see a little bit more composure, a little bit more poise, uh, get, you know, have them take a little extra second. Or sometimes it's simple as, uh, especially, you know, I look for this a lot in defensemen. Uh, just like uh, passing it off to your defense partner if he's open, right? Instead of uh, panicking and throwing a you know a pizza off uh, up the middle or off the glass. Uh, so I think composure is a big thing. And uh, another one is, and it can definitely come with size, is how they how they handle contact and how they handle pressure. Because I mean that's such a big thing, obviously, with hockey. And you know let, let's. Let's take, uh, you know, the, the story of the NHL maybe right now, who is Cole Caulfield. He's 5'7", but, you know, he, he doesn't really play like he's 5'7". He's not really afraid of contact, and that's, that's all I need. I don't, I, I don't care if you're 5'2". <laughs> if, you can, if, you're, if you're able to uh, fight through contact and, and control the puck, obviously that's the biggest thing, or make a play through contact, then I think you'll have a good chance of translating to the NHL regardless of your size. And then it can go both ways, right? If a guy who's 6'4", but maybe he's actually scared of contact, then, you know, he's got a little bit of leeway because he's got the average size. He's got the, or not average size, he's got the ideal NHL power forward size, let's say. But, you know, he's got to develop that ability to not be afraid of contact and use his body to his advantage and cycle the puck down low, come in wide to drop a shoulder on a defenseman. So I'd say coming through contact and, and hockey IQ and their intelligence are really big tra uh, NHL translatable skills. And that's something I look for, uh, especially on, on a first viewing of a, of a player. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we'll maybe move on because something I've been kind of interested in, obviously, with this year, with the pandemic over the last, you know, year and a half, I guess, uh, you know, when you're looking at prospects, you're watching prospects, it's all a little bit different. A, you don't get quite as many, you haven't got quite as many games to watch them. Uh, you know, a lot of conversation around, um, and when, if we have time, we'll talk about it, but uh, 2023, you know, Connor Bedard and, and these guys that, you know, went overseas, right? And so that's a new new dynamic, trying to find footage and trying to get, uh, you know, be able to watch the game and, and uh, ensure that you're getting the players that you want. Like, what kind of, how would you say the difference has been for you? Has it been very noticeable in what you've been able to do? And, and um, you know, what's the difference between this year and, say, prior years? I, I know you're trying to watch a number of, a number of players, so you're not always able yeah. to get out and actually watch them live, but uh, mm -hmm. certainly a lot more difficult this year. I think one thing uh, that was really different about this year is uh, kind of foreshadowing to next season uh, or next draft, I should say, 2022. Uh, very hard to get a gauge on who's going to be um, uh, near the top uh, of 2022 draft class or who's just maybe a player that could be uh, just hovering around the second, third round because normally, you know, you would go to a, a junior hockey game, let's say in Canada, WHL, Q, or the O, and, and you're, you're going to watch the draft. As a scout, you're going to watch the draft eligible players, of course, but then you're going to see a guy who was drafted in the first round um, in the OHL draft, let's say, and okay, let's keep an eye on him. Let's see if he's going to be maybe a first round or whatever. Like, like for example, I uh, this year not getting a chance to see the first overall pick in the OHL, Ty Nelson. Uh, I I don't know how he's progressed. I don't know where he's at in his game. 
with his physical maturity, his, his skating. I mean, these are all things that progress with age. And obviously, you got to keep in mind they're teenagers. Uh, so I would say really get, uh, having an early look at next year's draft class was, was tougher than in previous years that we had. And I think the obvious one that was really tougher was uh, not being able to go in and watch any live games this year. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm based out of Ontario and, and we've been locked down for, for, you know, pretty much uh, a year and a half or it feels like it. <laughs> and, and so I haven't been able to uh, get into any live games. I haven't been able to go see uh, an OHL game. I don't know how long. Um, so it's been tough and nothing beats a live viewing on a player because you get to see some of their maybe tendencies when they go back to the bench, how they react and how they interact with their coach, which can be a huge, not a huge, but it can be a telling to kind of like their attitude level, right? Maybe coach comes over and wants to give him some advice and all that. If he looks like he's not even paying attention to him, then, well, you know, does he have, does he not have respect for that coach? What's the the, uh, relationship about, right? How is it? So nothing really beats a live viewing. And, you know, obviously this year it was all video viewing. So definitely a different kind of uh, scouting look that we, we all had to go through. Um, and uh, those are the two real challenges I found this year. And um, I mean, going back to the 2022 and early look on them, there could be guys that I have no clue of that would just be considered first rounders from maybe the first month of hockey that I get to watch. And it's like, okay, <laughs> but I wasn't able to, to watch that uh, in, at all this year. So uh different year for sure. But you know what, there, there are, um, you know, a lot of obstacles for everyone. So, you know, it, we all just trying to get through it. Yeah. In, in your gut, does it, uh, I mean, cause if you take the sort of the top five in this year's draft class, I mean, it, it's a jumble, right? Like it, you know, Every uh, scout, every prospects uh, analyst out there has the, you know, the top five a little bit different. I mean, you got Powers, uh, you know, um, almost the consensus number one. But but I'd yeah. say that or Power rather, and um, and yet I, you know, just today I saw him on somebody else's number two, and and so on and so forth. And of course, yeah. I, you know, the one that I see uh, bouncing anywhere from one to five is uh, Hughes. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think if the if the year had been a normal one that we'd see a more clear differentiated number one through five, or or is this a product of what the year entailed? I think it's. I, I actually think it would have been the same. Um, I, I think this draft class has a lot of players that are around the same tier in that one to five range, five to ten range. I mean, you know, for me, I, I have. Uh, really the the top three, I think it's our top three uh, with Power, Clark, and Hughes. Uh, those are my top three that I think are they're a little bit in a tier in their own. But when I say they're in a tier of their own, it's very, very small. They're, they're just above uh, Dylan Gunther and and William Eklund and Matt Beneers. I mean, Matt Beneers is one guy who, you know, he could be uh, a player that goes right into the NHL next year because of his maturity and how he plays the game plays like an NHL player right now. So, but, uh, I think it would have been the same, uh, you know, it was definitely a different year, but I, I think more or less it all would have stayed the same because of how they are. They, they are all around. There's no, bon- you know, bonafide number one consist uh, consist, uh, you know, like Lafreniere, I wouldn't, you know, there's no Lafreniere. There's no, um, obviously there's not a generational player like McDavid. So yeah. I, I think it's all, you know, really the, you know, they're all around a player where if you pick power, number one, who's the consensus, you know, then, you know, you're, you're getting a, a quality defenseman that, you know, has the upside of a top pairing guy. But if you say, no, I'm going to go with William Eklund, who I've seen people have him number one, right? Yeah. Well, you're probably getting it. You could get a top line uh, player as well. So, but are any of them going to reach that elite status? Maybe like, I think power could get it. I think Clark can get it. I think they can be elite players, but I don't think, you know, I think for the most part, a lot of them are going to be top line or top pairing guys. And that's what makes them so jumbled and so close together. 
Yeah. So, you know, that uh, leads into, I mean, let's just talk some prospects now and, and uh, chat about the upcoming draft, which for those of you that, um, those of you that don't know, it's uh, July 23rd. Uh, this year is the first round of 24th, um, obviously for uh, rounds uh, uh, two through seven. And the Oilers have a uh, have a number of picks this year. They've got, um, of course, they don't have anything between uh, on the second and third round. Um, one of those was the Lucic uh, debacle, we'll call it. <laughs> and then, uh, and uh, but the Oilers pick uh, this year at nineteen, kind of nice to pick a little bit lower down the <laughs> down the uh, patch. Uh, uh, and then, uh, then we don't get a pick until uh, fourth round at uh, one fifteen, and then, and then you know, in those late rounds, you never know what's going where and and when they'll pick. So it's hard to hard to guess. They could move up to a third round usually, or something like that, depending on what uh, what kind of action happens on the floor. But nineteen um, is where we start in the first round, and uh, and that's where we're going on um, on the twenty third. So make sure you watch that. Now let's talk about uh, the prospects. And uh, and the draft pro, if if you um, go ahead and go to draft uh, draftprospectshockey.com, you can buy the uh, draft prospects guide, uh, draft pro guide, and uh, in there it's going to rank all of their prospects in the in the way and give and you've got a little short write up on everybody in the first round, I believe, if I yep. can, if I remember correctly, up to thirty two. Of course, we're adding in uh, the. The Kraken. Is it the Kraken or the Kraken? I think it's the Kraken, but I'll go with the Kraken. Yeah. Um <laughs> it just occurred to me. Yeah. I think it's the Kraken, but I'm sure some well, people will be calling it the Kraken. We'll see. Well, it's yeah. it's funny because uh we were talking about it, me and my just you know, briefly off topic, but me and my family were talking about how uh what would their what would uh their chant be? You know, you have uh, what the go oilers go, go lease, go whatever. Uh, my my dad brought up one that I think would be really, or not my dad, my my, uh, my girlfriend's dad brought up one that would be really uh really good. It would be let's get cracking, and that, <laughs> that that'd be pretty creative. I like, I, I, I like that one. So you know, if uh, if anything, I think they should go with that. But yeah, I, so for that, I, I'd say let's let's go with cracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the egg producers would be all over that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Kraken. Now with the Kraken, and we're at uh, thirty-two. Now you guys, um, you know, and as we said, I mean, you could, you could easily take Eklund at number one, and and you'd be all right. So I, I'll take all of this with a grain of salt, right? Like that sort of one through. But I, you know, what I'm curious about is where do you see the drop off, right? Like mm-hmm. in that in that area, I you know I mentioned one through five. Um, but if you're, you know, according to yours, you got one through seven, right? If you think yeah. Eklund could go at one, um, you know, where, where do you think it starts to drop off in this, in this draft or are they all in that sort of, you know, maybe not the, you know, generational players, not the, you know, the deep draft that we we've seen some years, is this kind of mm-hmm. just like an average draft and everybody in the first round has got a good shot or, or is there a drop off somewhere? I think, you know, I don't want to discredit, uh, obviously, the players available, but, yeah. I, but I, I think it is, you know, uh, maybe not as deep as previous years. Um, and I think uh, where, where it starts to drop off is, I would say, maybe around 11 to 12, uh, then you're going to start to drop off. I'd uh, say um, we, we had Edvinson, Simon Edvinson ranked number 11, and I think that, you know, probably shocked some people. Um, and you know, I, I would say after that, it, it really, uh, it drops off and then you start to get into, you know, players that will one, they're going to take a little bit longer to get to the NHL. I think you're having more players that are going to take maybe two, three years than compared to some of the guys in the top 10 that, that could come in one to two years. Right. And that's where the drop off happens. And that's why also they're not going to go maybe um in the top 10 and they're going to go 20th or or 15th or whatever so uh, i'd say you're still getting obviously a quality player who you know should be um you should be excited for obviously as a fan but uh you're 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 gonna get a guy that you you won't you'll want to be patient with um he's not going to be i'm trying to think of examples pasternak right pasternak went maybe 
25th, 26th overall. Yeah. And then he jumped into the NHL and he's a superstar all-star. It's like, okay, what that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So you're not, you're not going to get, I, I don't think, he, I mean, you never know with every draft, every draft is weird, but I don't think you're going to get that this year. I think it's a, a draft you're going to be, you're going to want to be more patient with, uh, in your picks and, and your first rounder. Um, but you have very, very good options all the way down from, you know, Cole Stillinger's one uh, that that's you know hovers around the really 15, 25 range. Corson Coolman's looked great for Canada at the under 18 tournament. Yeah. He's another uh, junior A Brooks Bandit uh, player that you know we saw the success of Kale McCarr and you know he he's a wild card because he could go anywhere with you know up in the top 15 or he could drop um, and that could be because of the quality of play that he plays with. I mean, that, that's always the reputation you get when you're playing junior A hockey. It is what it is, but, and that's where some teams make a mistake. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, and then, you know, you even have another goalie in Sebastian Casa who, uh, just had a monster year and, and he leapfrogged into the first round, uh, talk, uh, with his play, uh, in, <laughs> even in a shortened season in the WHL he really proved uh, that 20 games or so was enough for him to show that he is a first rounder. And so uh, again, I, I think that's where it drops off around 11 and 12, but um, it, it is still, it's still a good class once you get lower. Yeah. Yeah. No, good, good, good comments. Uh, you know, and I guess the other thing that I'm curious about is um, while you were putting this together, was there a league that you, uh, you thought came out on top this year? Uh, you know, whether it's NCAA, you know, the OHL, USHL, you know, was there one that you thought um, had a few more than, than the rest or, you know, is pretty equal across the board? Uh, it was definitely the USHL for me. Um, they, they are able because of the, um, the, the Canadian junior leagues all having seasons postponed or, or the, I mean, the Quebec league did play a decent amount of games, but they had a lot of stoppage or cancellations at points in the season. Obviously we know the OHL never got to play. WHL was able to play 24 something games. Um, but the USHL pretty much played an entire season. And they, they, uh, uh, even had, you know, Chicago steel lift the, uh, uh, I forget the name of the, the cup, but um, th- they won, right? So th- I, I think there were a lot of eyes on the USHL, and we saw a lot of players move to play in the USHL because that's where they could go to play, and that's where they could go to show NHL scouts why they should be drafted this year. Uh, so for me, definitely the USHL came out on top. Yeah, you know, I'm... <laughs> I, I'm I'm not surprised you said that. I was looking at that uh, just this past weekend. You know, you know, specifically not so much the Chicago Steel or you know Waterloo or any of those extra teams, but the national team development program uh, that um, that the U.S. does. And and uh, you know, I, I mean, it's obviously it's foreign to us in Canada, right? I mean, we don't have anything that's that's even remotely close, and and yet. You know they have that that program, and you still have players, you know, outside of that program from the USHL that are coming and improving, you know, their worth yeah. among the league. That league has, um, you know, produced some great prospects, and and uh, so has the national team development program, obviously. With um, yeah, is it three first rounders? I think, uh, th- yeah. or first overalls, where they had uh, Jack Hughes. Um, Jeez, I have to look, but anyway, I, you know that's yeah. um, it's a pretty uh pretty good development program, right? That they've oh, got going, yeah. and uh, it's it just seems to get better year after year, right? I mean, it's it's pretty they, remarkable. They're doing an unbelievable job there uh, with that, that development program. I mean, now they're pumping out prospects uh, like no tomorrow. I, I mean, now you're getting to the point where that U eighteen team that is always you know uh having the draft eligible players you're having a lot of them uh get drafted you know it it used to be maybe a select few but now it's like all right there's you know you got to look at even the depth players on that team you got to look at the bottom six forwards the you know the the defensemen are not getting that much ice time because they actually 
you know, are kind of hidden sometimes under all this talent that, you know, the United States development program is able to recruit now. I mean, uh, this year is a little bit, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's a down year this year. Uh, it, well, I mean, compared to the, the year where they had Jack Hughes, Cole Caulfield, Spencer <laughs> yeah. Knight, Trevor Seagrass. I, I think they, they had like, what, 13 first round picks. It was something crazy. Uh, this is something ridiculous, but this year you're not going to have that. You may have uh, two, Luke Hughes, uh, or you may have three uh, or so, but actually the next two development program teams are already looking pretty promising. The U-17 this year looked really good. They looked strong um, and a lot of talent, a lot of offensive skill, high-end skill that, that looks like um, – uh, you know, first round talents for 2022's NHL draft. And, and albeit I didn't see a lot of the, the, the players who just were named to the new, uh, I guess what will be the U17 team, uh, next year. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of scouts are raving about that team as well. So again, you know, it could, we could be in for two more strong years, uh, through the development program. And at this point, we should just expect it. Yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I've become, I've started to expect it anyway. I mean, it's just a matter <laughs> of, uh, you know, watching these players and watching them play. And, and you, you at least know, you know, just like this year, that there's going to be a few of them that um, are going to be in that first, first round consideration. And, and uh, it's pretty, definitely pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, now, what does that say, uh, would you say about like the CHL? Are you, do you notice like the, um, you know, is the CHL losing some of its steam or is it, or is it just competing with more with other leagues now where, you know, didn't have to compete that way before, or is it still a good, uh, good program for, uh, kids coming out of, uh, you know, the midget ranks and that. I think there's, there's definitely, um, more competition now. Uh, and OHL teams are going to have to be more um, competitive in recruiting some players that may want to go the uh, the NCAA route, or um, or like you know OHL teams are having more trouble maybe recruiting American-born players uh, because they th- those American-born players want to go play with the development program team because of how well uh, how well oil machine it really is, and, and they you know prep you for. Yes, they prep you for the uh, the NHL, but they're prepping you for you know college and university hockey, and that's what I think their main focus is because they know not every one of their players that is on that development program team is going to make the NHL. Then they want to prep them, get them physically matured, you know, proper, you know, uh, you know, diet and and hitting the gym regularly to get them ready for NCAA hockey. And so I, I would say. You know, I, I don't think the CHL leagues are losing their um, their steam or um, or anything like that. I just think they have more competition now. I think they're going to have to be uh, more uh, more com- they're, they're going to be more competitive in recruiting players. And uh, I, I still think the OHL, WHL, and QMJHL are still great leagues and. And you get some really passionate fans in some of those fan bases, obviously, uh, like Halifax or, or the London Knights or uh, uh, the Oil Kings, right? They, they, you know, you get good fan turnouts. It's not like it's some uh, you're you're going to some rinky dink uh, uh, arena. You're going to a you know a well class arena, and so I, I would say, you know. It's still a, it's still a great league, and if you're a young prospect, if you're a young player that's got the potential to go to one of those three leagues, I definitely think it's still a great option because it's really going to prepare you for you know obviously what if you're if you're playing in the in one of those three junior leagues, your your goal I would assume is to make the NHL, and you have a ton of eyes on those three leagues, a ton of scouts obviously scout those leagues, and so it's definitely a great gateway to to get you going to the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I'm curious. I, I, like I've been following obviously the CHL since, which is, I've been a kid. I mean, my, you know, everybody's had some family or somebody that's been around Mm -hmm. if you're around a game of hockey, you know, and, and, um, you know, I grew up watching the blades and, uh, Mm -hmm. 
And at one point, I even saw the Edmonton Ice before they <laughs> before yeah. they moved away, and and uh, all WHL, not a lot of OHL. But now I'm based in Halifax. Here I'm watching uh, Zach Zachary Larue, and oh, uh, and the Q. <laughs> um, and and actually, I do want to talk about him because uh, he's an intriguing uh, prospect for me. Uh, mm-hmm. in a number of different ways and and you know uh, may, maybe this is a good segue to that we can talk about um talk mm-hmm. about him and and he leads into the you know another conversation which is you know this idea around players that you know might not do so well in the interviews right or mm-hmm. or maybe there's something you know some question marks around them and um you know he's he's definitely one of those guys that uh you know, he, uh, you know, he's had a couple of suspensions. He, you know, one of them for spitting on a player, right. You know, and, and, uh, you know, he's just, he toes the line, right. Every game he's aggressive, but he's, but he's a hell of a hockey player. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, he's, uh, you know, there's not, there's not much that's, uh, awful about him other than this sort of aggressiveness and that, and if he can get that under control, I mean, he's, you know, I think even in your guide, you said he's not going to be Marchand or Kachuk, but he, you know, that's the kind of player he's going to be. He could Mm -hmm. be a real valuable asset on a team. What's your, you know, what's your take on him uh, and uh, your thoughts? Let me just see. You've got him, you've Mm -hmm. got him at 19 on your, on your list. (laughs) Obviously that's not, you know, not necessarily where the Oilers would take him, but um yeah, you know, that's the type of player I've been screaming that the Oilers need over the mm-hmm. years. I just I'm <laughs> having watched him play and and uh, knowing what he's been into, I'm not sure I'd you know uh, take yeah. a chance on him. But your thoughts? Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it, you, you'd have to be willing to take a chance on a player like Larue. Uh, he, he is. Uh, you know he crosses the line a lot, but like you said, he's he's a he's a hell of a hockey player. I mean, he's so skilled. I mean, his hands are just they're unbelievable, and and he can see passing lanes in the. He's got passing lanes all over the ice, and he's not afraid to attack a defender one on one. You know, one on one. He's not afraid to go to the net. Like there's just a lot of things he's not afraid of in the game, and I think that is a really good asset. When you talk about NHL translatable skills, I think that's a great asset as well. You know that he he's not afraid to to take it to the house, take it to the middle, and he's not afraid of contact to push and shove, to get under your skin. He does a lot, like you know, you know, he does a lot of uh, aggravating things. And uh, at the same time, what I'll say is, you know, Brad Marchand's a hell of a hockey player. <laughs> you know, and once yeah. he Brad, once Brad Marchand. You know, and I think we're starting to see him more and more calm down. Maybe it comes with age, right? And Marchand, I'd say, is he's not in the news, in the hockey news, as much as Tom Wilson or Matthew Kachuk now. Seems like those two are taking the reins from Marchand. And so now Marchand is able to focus on just playing hockey, playing skilled hockey. And, you know, he, he was unbelievable for Boston in, no, in he's, the Stanley he, Cup playoffs. I, w- I would tell you that he's almost like an underrated player in the league i know he's yeah. i know people think of him as being a good player but i, I still think he's underrated i mean year over year over year he's in the top you know three four in scoring yeah he is and he is noticeable every single game uh oh. and you're right and he's 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 even better when he's not at over the line right where he's just at yeah. the edge of the line yeah yeah and so, and, and, you know, same thing can be said about LaRue. By the way, um, I hate Marshawn and <laughs> say oh. all those things like, you know, I hate the guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big Leaf fan. I've had to see Marshawn <laughs> exactly. torch and kick out the Leafs two, three years. Yeah. Right. So like, I, I get to see that and I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. But um yeah no like uh Marchand is uh I, and that's why actually i think we had larue as a, a as a nhl style comparison to Marchand in the draft guide we're not saying that he's going to be brad Marchand. it's just yeah. that that's his style of play and you know he's going to be a guy that you know let's hope he doesn't sit on players in the nhl or else he's going to get a fist to the mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but uh he he's a uh 
you know, he's a great hockey player, very skilled. And I, I, I like a lot of what LaRue does. And then when he crosses the line, then that is what, that's what brings me back. I had LaRue up in my top 15 for majority of the year. And, and I would even say like, he could be a guy who challenges, you know, 10 to 12 spots, but it's those, um, it's those crossing the line moments and losing his temper or just losing his, just losing his cool, you know, whatever he does is what stops him from being up near the top of the first round. I still think he's a first rounder. I think if he slips out of the first round, I think it is a mistake by NHL teams because I think, you know, I've seen him out of the first round on a lot of mock drafts. And I think it is, I think it is because of, those those issues and how many times he was suspended this year um and, and it's completely fair but i think you know if you can and i think you should be able to you know reel that in reel that stuff in and um and it's an asset let's be honest you know you know growing up you never you know i never wanted to play against a guy who's agitating me and flashing <laughs> me or getting under my skin it's like dude just get away from me and yeah. so, uh, you know, it, it can be an asset being an agitator. Yeah, I, I 100% love those guys when they play on my team and, and hate them when they're on somebody else's oh, team. Oh, unbelievable. And, and, yeah. And if, if you know, as, as I say, I mean, like, I, you know, I think, and, and you can appreciate this from your Leafs days, but Kadri, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he, um, you know, if he doesn't cross the line, he is, uh, as Oilers fans know, uh, in the uh, you know the McDavid versus Kadri yeah. games, um, you know he can be incredibly uh, effective as a player. Uh, you know he's got the skill to do well, and and um, you know offensively and and defensively, and just plays an all around game. But when he crosses the mm-hmm. line, he just he does it in such a way that it's you know you could argue that he had a huge effect on that Colorado Vegas series, uh, if not you know one of the biggest effects on it. Um, well. I mean, it's the same thing I was, was going to say. Uh, if Kadri doesn't cross the line, maybe the Leafs have won a playoff series yep. in one of those years against Boston, right? I mean, we could have used that, you know, him in the in the lineup and be that agitator. Uh, get under the skin of Bergeron or Marchand or Pasternak. Just don't cross the line and, and get suspended. But unfortunately, he did, and he did it three times now. Yeah, maybe uh, I'm. I'd be curious in a couple of years if we're uh, if we're back uh, on air again and talking about Larue uh, and his uh, his role on whichever team he lands. Or it would be great the team, and, <laughs> and you know, I mean, um, you know, a guy like that could end up in the AHL for a couple of years just to kind of yeah. you know hone his game and and mm-hmm. uh, get the attitude in order. And and sometimes it's the right coach or or whichever can do that for you. That's good. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's talk. Um, you know, I mean, you guys had Owen Power at number one. Was he uh, among everybody uh, at Draft Pro? Was he the consensus number one pick, or was there some debate? There's definitely debate. Um, we had uh, we had one of our scouts that wanted ha- that was uh, pushing for Dylan Gunther uh, for number one. Um, we had uh, uh, I think another one that wanted Luke Hughes actually even number one. Um, Brant Clark was number one. We it was it was kind of all over the place, and we had to have a lot of debates on and a lot of discussions on who we wanted at number one, and then even to follow two, three, four, five, and all that. Um, so I think he wasn't really a consensus number one, but at the same time, I think his raw potential for his size is uh, is such uh, you know a gifted uh, natural talent, uh, being able to be six five and skate the way he does and control the play he does. I mean, when he walks around the offensive zone at six foot five, I mean, I know we don't want to bring, you know, size into it and all that. Sometimes that can be misleading. It's like, who cares if he's six foot five or whatever. But I mean, this is at, at at some point you got to say it is rare to have a six foot five defenseman that has so much poise with the puck and so much control of the game, you know, the way he processes it in all three zones, really. Um, you know, it's the same discussion with Victor Hedman, right? It's, it's, it's remarkable to have a defenseman of Hedman's size that can do literally everything uh, that you need in, in a hockey game. 
Yeah, and you know what? I'm a big fan. I mean, we saw it with Kale McCarr, these defensemen coming out of the NCAA, right, where they're playing against mm-hmm. some guys that are a little bit bigger, a little bit different than where you'd find maybe in the CHL, right? And uh, yeah. uh, you know, it just seemed, and and I think the maturity, right, of that league uh, versus um, you know some of the other leagues, right? It, but uh, whether or not they whether or not they stick and and play uh, NHL or not is always up for debate, right? But yep. um, you know, I, as um, have you heard uh, anything in terms of what his intentions would be, uh, like uh, either play or or uh, or stick uh, in the NCAA? I've heard uh, rumblings that he wants to uh, return for one more season with the University of Michigan. Um, and, and I think honestly, uh, some people were kind of questioning that and, and why would you, you want to do that? If you're going to go first overall, you could most likely jump into the NHL right away. Um, and, and let's take the discussion of he doesn't want to play in Buffalo out of it. Let's just throw that out the window. I think it's just good for his development. I think, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going back another year and just getting stronger. I mean, he's, you know. He's a he's got a lot of room to still fill out and, and you know pack on muscle and and get you know more physical maturity get stronger with the puck and you know what if he goes for another year uh, lights it up and is you know the best NCAA player regard you know best NCAA defenseman or player you know and then he comes to the NHL and maybe he does what the car has done right. Yeah. So I think there's there's absolutely and the NCAA has really proven to be such a great, um, you know, going back to if you choose OHL right, or yeah. yeah, I mean it doesn't you know you go either or, and I think the NCAA is proving that it is a viable development league, and I think so. Uh, that's what I've heard with power. I don't know if it will be true. Um, who knows if that would even persuade. Buffalo to not pick him at number one because they would want their number one to jump in the NHL right away. Who knows? Not too sure, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. And if you, uh, and so, okay, you got power at one, you guys had uh, Clark at two and, and Hughes at three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, obviously, I mean, you, I mean, you just said it, right? Some, some uh, folks had Hughes at Hughes at number one. Yeah. Um, I actually thought that, um, which is, you know, I, I think a little bit, uh, it's just such a weird season, right? But I thought, you know, Hughes has kind of dropped back a couple with, uh, with some, with some uh, reports, some, some prospect mm-hmm. uh, analysts. Uh, is, is there a reason or, or do you think that um, just, you know, a couple other people are showing a little bit better right now? I think it's uh, a little bit of uh, both of kind of what you touched on right there. I think it's a little bit of some prospects have shown that they may have more potential than him. Uh, I think, you know, a guy like Dylan Gunther and, and Matt Beniers are two guys that, you know, maybe a more impactful or uh, effective hockey player. I think someone like even Kent Johnson, the third uh, you know, University of Michigan player, uh, you know, he's such a dynamic hockey player, lightning, quick hands and, He's a guy who has the potential to put up some serious point numbers in the NHL and be a power play uh, catalyst for uh, for an organization. So, are you going to? Would you rather have that or, or Luke Hughes? And I think the other thing is um, with Luke Hughes is I think because he's the youngest of the Hughes brothers and he plays the the same uh, position as Quinn. Uh, I think he gets obviously looked at as oh okay let's let's see we got another Quinn Hughes on our hands and it's not really the case. I mean, Quinn Hughes is such an offensively dynamic and high end, uh, defenseman. Yeah. But what Luke Hughes is, he's more of a, he's more of a workhorse in, in the terms of he is an all around great two way player. His defensive game is still developing, but, uh, I was surprised when I saw he was six, two this year. I mean, I was like, that, that was shocking to me. I didn't realize how much he grew. And so, you know, much like power, again, Luke Hughes has a lot of muscle to, to put on as well. And that could help him in uh, creating a solid two-way game in the NHL where he is able to keep, uh, uh, or he's able to keep attackers to the outside, utilizing his uh, gap control. And, and, you know, sometimes you don't even need to be physical as a defenseman to excel in, in any league, and, and especially in the NHL. 
if, if you can keep the outside players to the outside, keep puck areas to the outside, and you defend the middle ice, then you're an effective defenseman, right? I mean, that, that, that's one of the biggest things um, I look for in scouting defensemen is how they protect middle ice, especially on zone entry and all that. And I think Luke Hughes can do that because obviously he's a phenomenal skater. He's just as good of a skater as um, Quinn and Jack. So um, I, I think there's nothing holding him back from being a two-way defenseman. But uh, to get back to the, you know, your question, I think it's because I think one reason why he's, he's maybe dropped a little bit is because he gets compared to his older brother, Quinn. And, and Luke, let's be honest, hasn't shown that same offensive uh, ability as, uh, as Quinn did in his draft year and as he's doing now with Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Quinn's exceptional, right? Like, uh, oh. yeah, he's just out. <laughs> him and McCarr. Him and McCarr are just, yeah. you know, like they, they can, they can do so much in all three zones with the puck and create so much just from a skating standpoint. They can just, the way they move, it's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate him for it because he's a Canucks, <laughs> Canucks player, but yeah. uh, no, I respect the, <laughs> respect the talent, man. That's yeah. uh, fun to watch uh, for sure. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Oilers uh, and, you know, Edmonton in general, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple oil Kings uh, that are potential first rounders. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Let's start with uh, maybe the one that's highest up the list. Um, uh, which you, you know, we uh, chat a little bit about him, uh, Gunther. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on him as a player? Uh, just, I mean, the guy can really do a lot for you uh, in, uh, for a hockey team. Very versatile. I think uh, one thing I really like about him is uh, he doesn't show a lack of effort when he plays away from the puck or back-checking. Uh, I think he, you know, from the games I've seen uh, from him, he, he's really... Uh, involved in all areas and uh, he utilizes his speed. I think that's my, my favorite part about him, maybe his shot, but I think just the the skating is, is really top notch. And he, he may be one of the, um, at least one of the best forward skaters. I mean, I would still give Luke Hughes is probably the best skater in this draft, obviously, but Dylan Gunther's right up there, especially when it comes to straight line breakaway speed, he can really take off with just the, uh, you know, real quick, tight, linear crossovers and, and just explode uh, up ice. So, um, completely I, I, off uh, the mark here, but yeah. I knew Byron was fast, but yeah. he's shown a whole different level in the playoffs this year. Like, you know, yeah. them just throwing the puck up and he's him zooming past everybody. I, yeah. anyway, that's, you know, I'd love to see him in the all-star game uh, going up against uh, McDavid and, and seeing uh, now with the puck is a whole different story, but uh, yeah. Byron is, is crazy fast. And I didn't realize it, you know, watching him on the flames for all those, uh, yeah. all those years, but anyway. Oh, it, totally it, it, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I was, I was really surprised with Byron. Josh Anderson's another one of Montreal. He yeah. really can explode out of the gate. Um, obviously here in Toronto, you have Mikheyev. I mean, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, getting back to what you said also is no one can do it with the puck like McDavid. Yeah. It, it's unreal. But, um, uh, yeah, I think uh, Gunther is someone. And, and you know what? He, he's actually able to control that puck at, at top speed, and he controls it really well. Um, obviously, we're not going to compare him to McDavid and how well, because that's generational level, and no one can beat that. But uh, Gunther is definitely someone that I, I would have no problem uh, handling the transition. And, um, and and utilizing his speed to bring the puck up and come through the neutral zone to get a, a clean zone entry and start uh, start an attack. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I, yeah. I mean, I you know, I moved, made the move out to Halifax this year, so I haven't mm-hmm. um, had a chance to watch. Uh, yeah, and of course, nobody has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watched a lot of games, unfortunately, but um, you know, it was um, is something I missed this year. For sure. Now, uh, you got him as uh, number 24. Some people in their mock draft have him come into the Oilers. Um, mm-hmm. Sebastian Casa in net. We talked a little bit about him at the onset. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's a big kid, right? He's, you know, 6'6", six, six, I think. Uh, good, um, you know, mobile goalie for that size. And, and most of their good ones are. Uh, but he, you know, he was somebody who wasn't really on the scene 
until mm-hmm. this year, right? And, um, you know, do you see him, uh, like, do you think he's a for sure first round uh, pick this year? And and, um, and what are your thoughts on him? And, and I uh, keep in yeah. mind, I, I do know that there's some guys that are goalie specialists. I don't know if you're, yeah. you know, like, it's it's a little bit different if you're watching yeah. players most of the time than goalies. And, and mm-hmm. I've got some friends uh that um refuse to even talk about goalies so if it's yeah. <laughs> you know not an area of comfort for yeah. you but i but i know you've watched them so yeah let me i actually i actually um i took it on a little more this year to uh scout goalies a little harder be a little more in depth with them and try and uh try and uh you know i, I think honestly I'll, I'll be honest when i first started scouting i hated scouting goalies i didn't know what to look for i, I was like i mean they you stop the puck. I mean, that's all you need in a goalie, right? But obviously, it's way more than that. But um, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, with Costa, you touched on it there. I mean, he's six foot six, and his mobility, his flexibility, his athleticism is off the charts for the size he has. It's remarkable. But his ability to make, uh, you know, just one quick lateral push over to make a uh, you know cross ice uh, save. and he can do it so quickly and then he has those long legs and big body to just cover any angle any hole when he pushes over side to side i mean it's and that's what makes him really so uh so deadly in net and 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 really unbeatable at the junior level is that which is not not common right like (laughs) yeah those numbers are pretty ridiculous when you look at them i i i don't have them off off the top of my head but i think he won 17 games or something like that. Yeah, 17 and one. Yeah. (laughs) And that, again, it goes to, you know, say that he did nothing but, you know, put himself into a first round conversation. Um, I think he was a a goalie that definitely got looked at, uh, obviously, because of his size. I mean, uh, nowadays, everyone, it's no secret, NHL teams are going to look for a goalie that at least is six, three and over, and they're just going to develop them. I mean, that, that, and it's unfair to some of the smaller goalies. Um, but it just seems like that that's a you know a normal occurrence now, especially come draft day. You see more and more goalies that maybe you didn't even hear of as a scout get drafted, but you look at their size and it's like, okay, now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for, for Costa, his numbers and his play speaks for itself, and then you have his ability in net that is is what makes him a first round talent. Uh, you know, I think he's definitely, and, and there's a, there's holes in his game that I've seen that he can get better at. One is being a little too deep in his uh, in his crease uh, and, and relying more on his size to to make the save than being aggressive. Um, you know, coming off that goal line would be you know sometimes a better option, and um, and that's going to come with a good goalie coach from whoever gets drafted. Him. And and at the end of the day, I I actually really think he would be a great pick for Edmonton at 19. Um, I think this is a, a, a goalie that develop him right. You don't have to rush him and you could have a, you could have your number one goalie for the next decade. Right. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, let's, let's look at what the, the playoffs are. Uh, do. Let's look at what's happening in the playoffs right now. Right. You, you got the two best goalies going up uh, against each other. You had price against flurry in the other round. Um, and, I think more and more it's becoming so evident that you need a clear cut number one goalie to, uh, uh, to, to succeed in the playoffs, to win 16 games for the Stanley cup. So uh, I think more and more teams should be less scared of drafting a goalie in the first round. I'll be as bold as saying Seattle should draft Jesper Wallstadt number two overall. Oh, um, oh yeah. Come, Come, yeah. come to my Twitter mentions and debate me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I, I think, you know, getting back to Edmonton, obviously, I think he would be a great pick for Edmonton. Is, you know, if you can have a solid goalie back there and let McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and uh, Nugent Hopkins uh, do their thing, I mean, that's setting you up for playoff success down the road. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Nuge has uh, been re signed this year uh, or yep. to the today for another eight years so uh, great contract too by yeah, the way keeping the band band together for a little while um obviously i mean you know i said it earlier today i mean that um one thing the oilers have or will have at least for the next four or five years is is you know one of the top 
at least top five power plays in the league uh, without yeah. question. I mean, those uh, those three are the core, and just about anybody can play with them, and they're still gonna yeah. they're still gonna produce. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, let's. Um, so we talk about. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it there. I mean, the Oilers are picking at nineteen, roughly about where um, you know Casa might go, and uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think, yeah, he'll go in and around that that spot. Um, you guys aren't the only ones. Uh, you think the Oilers will take, uh, you know, a run at him? I, um, you know what? The curiosity for me mm-hmm. <laughs> is is kind of funny. He, uh, Casa grew up kind of playing minor hockey in the um, Edmonton Minor Hockey Association, that area, yeah. or Saskatchewan and that, but he's born in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting as he gets, uh, you know, if he makes a name for himself, who who yeah. takes credit for him. But <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I didn't know that actually. Or, or Edmonton. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. see. Um, but, uh, what do you think? Um, you guys had somebody else different when you had Edmonton going at, um, I think 20 or 21, cause we didn't know where they were going to sit when you guys made yeah. the, uh, when you did your mock draft, let me have a look. Um, your thoughts, you think that's, um, a good, uh, good shot that they'll, they'll be taking him at, um, at 19. I think it's a great shot, uh, because of, uh, you know, I think, and it was funny cause I was going to say, I think it's a great shot because he's an Edmonton you know, hometown boy. Well, now I know he's not. <laughs> so, so now it's a little interesting, but I think you could still play that narrative because he, you know, grew up playing Edmonton minor hockey and yeah. oil Kings, you know, it's just kind of like, Oh, it's just perfect. Right. It's just a great story. Um, so I think that's definitely, uh, you know, a feel good story to, to take a run at him. Um, and I think, you know, he is ranked around where, or where Edmonton is going to pick at 19. I think that's definitely a slot that he can go where I wouldn't say it's, it's too high either. And and that's another thing. I think they could definitely take some other players. And, and I would look at some of the wingers that are available. Uh, one being Brennan Osman or Sasha Pasajov. Um, even Cole Stillinger is one who is, uh, he's, he is a centerman, but I could see him playing wing and all that he's, because he's very versatile in that sense. Um, and, and so I think there's, there's a, a plethora of options that I think really, when it comes down to it, you're just going to see who goes off the board and, and, and then comes up at uh, pick number 19. Um, so, but I think it's definitely, he's definitely worth taking a run on because of his raw potential and, and, and the upside he brings. I mean, he has, number one elite goalie starting upside. And then let's say if you go with Brennan Austin, Brennan Austin, he's got upside of a top six forward and he could be, you know, a, a quality second line player, or he could be a great winger to, to McDavid but, yeah. uh, or a great winger to Nugent Hopkins. Right. So who would you rather have? Let's say, let's say Brennan Austin doesn't exceed expectations and is not playing with McDavid and he's playing with Brian Nugent Hopkins. Would you rather have a second line winger, uh, who, who's putting up, let's say, 20, 25 goals a year, 60 points. He's playing on the power play. Um, obviously, Brendan Othman plays kind of a uh, chippy style as well. Uh, or would you rather have a, you know, uh, in my opinion, a goalie who could be, who could be an elite goalie in the NHL or, and a number one goalie that can play 50, 60 games a year? Yeah. Yeah, no, good points. Good points. I, you know, I'm... Uh... I'm excited for what the future brings uh, for Edmonton and curious mm-hmm. in terms of there's some, there's a lot of unknown still, which, you know, for every team there is at this time of year. Um, obviously the, um, one of the big unknowns is where Dylan Holloway uh, steps in and, and yeah. uh, you know, um, I, I, I don't know how bad the injury was that kind of kept him out from uh, even having a look or being on the taxi squad or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, at the end of the year, I think it was just the wrist. So he should be all right. And then Philip, mm-hmm. uh, Philip, uh, cleft bomb. Uh, there's some talk that he might not even be playing next year. So we'll see what they, yeah. what the needs might change, uh, come draft day. And, and, uh, who knows on the draft floor, what, what happens mm-hmm. then? Uh, mm-hmm. we're just, uh, we're just about at the end of the hour. Um, I want to just quickly talk, uh, we'll take five minutes and then we'll call it a night. Yep. Um, but there's two guys, uh, and we're going to skip, um, I, I like Tyler Wright in, in Kingston, but we're going to skip right down to uh, what I think is going to be an exact exciting draft, which is 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got two guys that are uh, really unbelievable. 
uh, with uh, Bedard and uh, Michkov. Um, in, in, do you have a clear favorite in your mind right now? Uh, Bedard for me, after I saw him at the U18, I, that kid, there's uh, not enough words. Um, I, I, I just talking about him right now. I'm speechless. I mean, I, you watch him play, and he's borderline exceptional, borderline special. Um, and the way he can shoot the puck, I more and more when I see him shoot, I just think, uh, how's that shot going to be in five years? I mean, that that's going to be disgusting. I mean, that's going to be Matthews level, let's say, right now. That's going to be Ovechkin level. It's just. You know, his release points, you know, he disguises it. You know, he can pull through traffic to change angles. He does it all, really. He can shoot. For it. And then, and then um, you know, the backhander he scored, I think it was against Sweden in the semifinals and the U18s that went viral. I mean, it's like the kid is is uh, known for the big moments, and he makes it known. And he's not, like, you know, much like what we were talking about earlier about size and all that, yeah, but Art's not the biggest guy, but he's not afraid of really anything. And he, you can tell he wants to be the best. I mean, he was having a, you know, a good tournament and I think he came out and said, oh, I need to be better or whatever. Or, um, and I think it was another, uh, uh, another game at the U18s where he had a penalty shot. He missed the penalty shot and he was so mad at himself and he goes out and scores a goal. I mean, yeah. it just shows how special and how much he wants to be for his, for his team. Yeah, and he's showing exceptional maturity for his age, mm -hmm. right? I mean, he even just going over to uh, was it Sweden? He went to um, yeah, yeah. Like uh, you know, he's fifteen years old, and he's you know he understands enough to you know get on a plane and get out and play some hockey and and just yep. continue to develop his game and and yeah. um, definitely. I mean, uh, one of the challenges, obviously, for Mitchkov is we're not going to see as much of him as we would mm -hmm. say Bedard. I mean, Bedard, you. You could just uh, do a YouTube and you'll get every type of highlight. I'm curious your thoughts on the um, under 18. I thought they, you know, deferred from him on the power play. Like I thought they didn't use him as much as they could have the other, the other guys playing the power play. And I don't know if it was like, you know, just his age and, and that, and the other players maybe not respecting that or, or maybe being even a little bit threatened by his skill level. Who knows? But uh, I just felt like, <laughs> man, he could have had, there were some times he sat there waiting for the shot that, you mm -hmm. know, I think any other team would have just got it to him and, and he would have yeah. potted the potted a goal. I, maybe I'm making that up in my mm -hmm. head because I knew how good he was, but what were your thoughts on that? Did you notice any of that too? Or is that just me? Well, no, I, I actually, there were times I saw him. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, for a full power play or just briefly on a power play where he would shift into the bumper spot. Yeah. And I'd be like, what are you doing in the bumper spot? You have the best shot in this tournament. You need to be at the face-off circle and letting that rip. Now, Shane Wright made it known. Obviously, he's got a great shot as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, not, not to discredit Shane Wright because I, I love Shane Wright. But Connor Bedard is better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Bedard, you know, I think, yeah, you know what I'm you know, I, I was a little surprised as well that, you know, he wasn't utilized as much on the power play. I thought he definitely should have been at, you know, where his normal spot was when he played with Regina in uh, the 12, 13 games he played before coming over to the U18s, which was um, the uh, the right side uh, half wall, and he would swing down and let that shot go. Normally, toe drag, pull it through a, pull it, you know, through a defender and, and get that, you know, release top corner or, or really anywhere he doesn't need to go top corner he, he's just perfect he's got perfect accuracy and just knows where he wants it and he'll put it there so yeah i thought they they underutilized him but i guess at the end of the day it all worked out since they won <laughs> yeah 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 really i mean that's uh the end results what you're looking for and and sometimes you know you you'll just let a player like that play into that role and earn it a little bit more yeah. Uh, then he might uh, otherwise have to going into say Regina or something like that. Yeah. Hey, look, uh, I um, I thoroughly enjoyed this tonight. Uh, it was great talking hockey with you. You you definitely understand your stuff. Um, I really enjoyed um, the 2021 draft guide uh, put on by Draft Pro and and um, 
you know, I made mention of it. There's uh, also a couple of futures uh, looks there at 2022 and then 2023, uh, some write-ups. I think it's worth the $10, uh, mm-hmm. if not more, but, uh, um, you know, don't raise the price for these uh, folks that want to go and get it. Uh, yeah, no, definitely worth it. And there's, um, you know, there's all sorts of things in there for everybody that's uh, looking at this. There's team reports. There's a few write-ups in there. Uh, and if you want to go even further down that uh, down that trail, there's the yearbook as well, which um, I haven't had a look at yet. But Jared says is um, you know ten thousand pages and and uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty <laughs> quite <expensive>. in depth. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I also enjoyed uh, you had um, uh, some of the game uh, game report uh, in the uh, draft guide, which was great. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I scanned through yeah. those. I didn't read them all, but um, yeah, it was fairly uh, fairly well put together. So good job. I'll definitely uh, be a regular subscriber of that. Uh, I'll get you back on hopefully uh, yeah. sometime. And um, you know, as I said, really enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to it, and we'll see what happens uh, on the twenty third. Uh, for those of you that um, don't know or or haven't been watching, uh, McDavid won the heart. No big surprise there. Uh, but he also won the uh, Ted Lindsay uh, as well, which which we know about. And one of the um, sort of cool things with that uh, is that um, there are really uh, there are only uh, three players that have won it uh, uh, three times before they are twenty four or younger, and uh, it's Wayne Gretzky, uh, Ovechkin, and and now uh, Connor McDavid. So. He's definitely, uh, we talk about exceptional players. He's exceptional. We're lucky here in Edmonton to get to watch him play. And lucky as fans, NHL fans, to get to watch a guy like that play. Just like I, Oilers fans are tough on Matthews. I see that in the background, but yeah. uh, definitely we're lucky to watch him play too. He's a hell of a talent. Yeah, and uh, Con- Connor Bedard will be the next one to do to do what Nick David's doing. <laughs> oh, you know what? It is fun to watch him. The highlights now, even now, right? Like yeah. 15 years old. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just um, as long as he's uh, nowhere in the western uh, <laughs> in the west east coast. We'll yeah, I, we'll I feel all right with the east coast. <laughs> well, maybe the West, but not in our division. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so I could watch him uh, as many times as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and, I, and I, as much as I would love to say it, as much as I'd love to see him on the Oilers, I don't ever want to be picking in that, uh, in that range anytime soon, unless if it's some like crazy draft lottery where they, <laughs> you can get there from the top spot. But uh, yeah. No, yeah. no, that's completely fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks again, Jared. Really appreciated having you on. Uh, if you don't mind staying for a bit, we'll close up the show. Thanks to yeah. everybody uh, for listening. We're going to be back next week, next Tuesday, 6 p.m. Mountain. We're going to be talking uh, draft prospects all the way up until draft day on the 23rd. Uh, lots to talk about, lots of different uh, people to talk to, and uh, we're going to have some fun. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great night.